WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete McCarthy, here's Sal Licata. So we did the first hour solo, Sal, and we're supposed to have a guest. Uh, Bobby Ojeda was supposed to join us at 7.05, and of course, the phones go out. I, I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know what to tell you. I look at the phones. It says not connected. There's a big technical issue, so uh, I don't even know if Bobby is aware of it or not, but we will not be having him, at least at the moment, nor can I give out the number for you to call in because what would be the point? They're not working anyway, nor can we give away the tickets because, again, the phones are not working, but we will uh, have them up hopefully in a few minutes here and can resume uh, accordingly. Uh, we'll give away a pair of Mets tickets this hour at some point. Uh, we will also hope to take some calls at some point and maybe at some point hear from Bobby Ojeda as well. Um, we talked about the Mets. We've talked about the Yankees. We have talked about the Masters. Just trying to watch Tiger Woods finish up. Oh, there the phones go. Maybe they're back in, uh, maybe they're back in business. Um, we're trying to watch Tiger Woods finish up, see if he finished, uh, the 17th hole yet, but it's not going to be a good day for him as Tiger may not make the cut here. We're going to wait on that. And Patrick Reed is 10 under for the moment. He is not finished with his day yet. So he's having a heck of a round today. Looking to put, uh, you know, looking to put the Tiger out of it, and that would be a bad thing. Really, be a bad thing for all, except for me, who didn't pick Tiger in my pool and doesn't want him to win the Masters. Be a bad thing for everybody involved with no Tiger going into the weekend. But that would be a huge story if he cannot make the cut tonight. So we'll have that info, I would think, in the next you know several minutes or so. Also, you hope to have Bobby Ojeda in the next several minutes or so uh, as well and discuss some Mets and Yanks. Yanks about to get underway. CC Sabathia. On the mound for the Bombers. As a matter of fact, I was at Sabathia's first start this year in Toronto last Saturday. And, you know, he didn't have his best stuff, but he certainly battles through. And you like to see that from Sabathia. Kind of the opposite of Steven Matz. Matz never really battles through. And you'd like to see him start to do that at some point. And he's going to have to do it this weekend. And who better to get advice from about Steven Matz than the expert advice from Bobby Ojeda, who takes the time to join us. Now, Bobby O, you with me? I'm with you, Sal. Uh, all right. Thanks for calling. I wasn't sure if the phones are working here. Sorry for the delay. We had a little bit of a technical issue. Um, so let's no, no let, let's start there, Bobby, with Mats. I mean, I, I believe that Mats could be a big third starter for this team, or at least be the guy to slot in nicely behind Syndergaard and DeGrom. Obviously, the first start didn't do it. Do you believe in Mats? What have you seen from Mats here, and what do you expect tomorrow? I have not seen... The young man stay healthy. He's got 230 innings all in in the big leagues. Not nearly enough to label him in any spot of the rotation. I think he's got some great potential, but we know a lot of potential doesn't necessarily mean results. I think you know if they're going to keep him in the rotation, they're going to have to be patient because he doesn't he doesn't have enough experience to really know how to pitch yet. He's not quite sure who he is. He's been pitching with a sore arm for years. So if he is 100% healthy, that'd be great. But he doesn't know how to use that new arm yet. And I think, it, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a risk you take, but if they're willing to do it, you leave them in the rotation, but accept the fact that there's going to be some growing pain. And that could be a little bit of a problem, Bobby, because if you have him and Harvey and you don't know what you're going to get from, I mean, you'd hope that Vargas comes back healthy. At least he could be a solid veteran guy there. But with him and Harvey going back to back in that rotation, that puts a lot on the bullpen potentially if you don't know what those guys are going to do each time out. It can. And I think Harvey's a whole different animal. I think he's learned a lot. Uh, again, if he stays healthy, he has learned how to pitch. You watch what he's what he's doing now, the way he's using 
secondary stuff to set up the fastball. He's not overthrowing Just slightly. He does do that that recoil. I don't really care for once you deliver the ball and you snap your arm back. That's something I think they really should address before it gets out of hand. But with that said, I think they're two different cats, and you know Harvey does has much more experience. Uh, but Matt is just young and green, and he's been labeled, you know, whatever number starter, and I think it's been put in the cart before the horse for years, and it puts added pressure on him, and I don't think he needs that. Look, players love pressure. I love pressure. But a a young guy trying to find his way on a team that doesn't appear to be very patient uh, because they want to win. They've got off to this great start, and as you said, Sal, you can't have somebody draining your bullpen you know, at once every five days. You know, and it's weird, Bobby, because, look, you've been around this organization a long time, 86 champion, broadcaster for a long time for the team. you got your podcast going now, so I know you cover the sport and watch it very closely. But we've heard about Steven Matz for years about how he was going to be the one to have that toughness, those guts and pitch like that, and it's been the complete opposite. I mean, every little thing that goes wrong, he gets frustrated, he's got the bad body language, you mentioned it, doesn't have confidence in himself. I mean, he has been the opposite of what we were told he would be up here at the big league level right right and some of those stories were really misguided and really misdirected and it wasn't his fault as i say when you pitch with a sore arm and i did for years i get it i know what it's like i i know what he's thinking it's difficult he is a fighter he is a gamer but when your body won't respond uh, it makes it extremely difficult but like i say those labels that were hung on him he didn't label himself it was hung on him it was hung around his neck and that might have been somewhat of the burden. Maybe he was over trying, but he has no idea how to pit. He just doesn't. He doesn't know how to set a hitter up. He doesn't know what he's going to do to him the third time up. He doesn't know how one at-bat leads to the next. Doesn't know how to find his rhythm if he's out of whack. He doesn't know what pitch to go to to sort of reset his body. There's times when you're out of rhythm as a pitcher, you find ways to get out of it so you can survive your bad games. The bad games turn into, all right, four, five, you gave up a couple three, and you got out. That's a bad game. But if your bad game and you don't, you don't really know how to get out of it is an inning and a third, seven runs, uh, you know, that's, that's the growing pains that you have to accept if you leave him in there right now in the rotation. I think he's better suited for the bullpen. I don't care if he does great. I hope he does great uh, in his next start coming up. I really hope he does. But you got to understand, one start, I mean, you know, does not make a season. He finished the spring well. But you throw the last couple of days of spring training, you, you could throw a trainer out there, and he's going to get people out because everybody wants to get on a bus, get out of Florida. It sounds like, Bobby, you would think maybe he's better suited for you know going back down to the minors here because, look, you can't le- – I mean, isn't this stuff that you should – you don't learn at the major league level. Shouldn't he have learned this beforehand? Well, Sal, that's a great question, and I have to I have to go right to this. For years and years and years, the Mets were stuck on this developing. They're bringing guys to the big end, Terry Collins. For years, we're, bring, we're developing these guys. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You want to be a championship ball club, you do not develop at the big league level. Not a bunch of people, maybe one or two, but you get to the big leagues because you earned it, because you dealt, because you got people out, because you hit. Not because you what, what you might do in the big leagues. Let me tell you something. If you hit the big leagues, it gets a lot tougher. So you have to have the talent, established talent, and what you do at the major league level is not develop. You evolve into a big leaguer, but you evolve with that solid foundation 
of great success in the minor leagues. Most guys need that, but you can't come up and say, you know, and the organization has done that for years. We're going to develop. It's like, what are you doing? That ain't going to fly. does drive you nuts. I mean, you don't learn certain things at the big league level, yet we have seen that happen time and time again. It is very frustrating. We're talking with Bobby Ojeda, former Met, 1986 champion, also does a podcast now, BobbyOjeda.com, Bobby O's Change of Pace, so make sure you check that out. Let's move on, Bobby O, to Harvey. You touched on him mm-hmm. a little bit. I, look, I love Harvey for what he did in 13 and in 15 in the World Series. The guy was a game. You know, had that great attitude, uh, that great confidence. Uh-huh. Clearly hasn't been the same in years. And then I, I kind of got off the bandwagon. I know he's evolved, changed his style. You believe Matt Harvey can be a successful pitcher this way? I believe he lost his way, and I think he's figured it out. He's learned how to pitch. There's another guy with the moniker. Listen, it is not the media's fault when they label somebody something. The fault falls in the athlete who believes it and perhaps uh, uh, you know, the people close to him who believe it. Now, Harvey got labeled with the Dark Knight. Fine. Okay, somebody labels him that. Fine. The problem is he bought into it himself before he knew how to pitch, and he wanted to go out there and throw the ball through a wall every single time, and he did, and it was electric, and it was fun. Let me tell you, there's not many people who would not get caught up in that, but it was so wrong. Somebody wrote a fable about what he might be, never lived up to it, and, and it's like, okay, they're gone. But Matt has struggled in the wilderness for three years, and there's not a whole lot of friends around at this point. He's made brought a lot of things on himself, you know, off the field, and a lot of, you know, you know, you get mad when things don't go like you wanted to. So I think he's gotten away from believing what people write or say about him. Thank goodness, and I think he's figured out how to pitch a little bit, and he's going to get better. I believe he's going to get better and better. I may be wrong. He stays healthy. I think Matt Harvey is going to be a solid big league pitcher for years to come. He's got to stay healthy. Yeah, I'd love to see what he does Sunday night, Bobby. It's a different lineup than, you know, look, at home against the Phillies for five scoreless as opposed to facing the, facing the Nats, national TV, division, you know, division, reigning division champs back to back years. You think maybe Matt, uh, put a little too much or will put too much pressure? You think there's a big start for him or you just look at it as another start along mm-hmm. the way here? Well, I think it's a good question. I think it is a big start for him personally. Every start is big for you personally early in the season because you really want to get this thing going, you know, in the right direction. But that said, again, when Matt struggles, I want to see, I want to know what you do when you're bad. Okay. When you're good, I get it. You're going to go four for five, two home runs, blah, blah, blah. You're going to give me seven plus with two hits, 19 punch outs, whatever. When you're bad. I want to know what you can do. And here's my prediction on Matt Harvey. I think his bad is not going to be as bad as it was. Hopefully, hopefully he's figured out he's got to pitch his way out of trouble, not throw his way out of trouble. And if he has to find his rhythm, he's going to know what pitches to go to. Sometimes my rhythm is wacky, right? I I can't find it. Well, uh, my reset pitch will be curveball. I'll throw three curveballs in a row. I wouldn't normally do that. But I'm doing that for a purpose. I'm not necessarily even trying to get the guy out. I'm just trying to find my rhythm and timing early in this game. And boom, once I find that, I lock in. Now I give you that 6-7 you're looking for. How much of that, Bobby, is the pitching coach involved? I mean, I would assume more so with the younger guys, maybe as opposed to when you were pitching, you knew what you were doing, Mm -hmm. so less relying on that. How important is the pitching coach, or how influential can he be in this spot? Uh, That's a great question, too, Sal. Boy, you're on fire tonight. (laughs) Um, Thanks, Bobby. I mean that sincerely because I've always said, and I thoroughly believe this, I'm going to have 
bad day. That's just the way it is. I'm going to get in a slump. Hitters get in slumps. Pitchers get in slumps. Okay, I'm a pitcher. I'm in a slump. I'm just struggling. It's like there's times I was on the mound, and I know it probably looked like it. I felt like I never threw a ball in my life. Okay, a, a good pitching coach, a good pitching coach is going to make that slump three games. If I got a pitching coach who's not really, you know, in tune with what I'm doing, he's just throwing cliches in my ear while I'm throwing a bullpen, and I know he couldn't be further from the truth of what's going on with me, that slump is going to last five games, maybe six games. So a good coach who who is honest and truthful and knows what he's looking at can certainly save your bacon and cut down that slump, make it two or three games instead of five or six. Yeah, the Mets making a change, obviously, from Worthen to Island. It's still early, but the results so far have been pretty good with Dave Island. We're talking with Bobby Ojeda, 1986 champion. Does a podcast right now, BobbyOjeda.com, Bobby O's change of pace. How about overall Mets-Nats series, Bobby? I've referenced a couple of times the 86 series, which I'm sure you remember well. Mets going into St. Louis. Now, I know your first year was 86, so you weren't maybe familiar mm-hmm. with that rivalry, but I'm sure you knew about it. How big a series that was early in April, four-game set. You guys swept them, never looked back. Mets maybe could send a message here to the Nationals. Do you think it's too early for something like that, or do you think this is a big series? I think it's way too early. They're coming off a 70-win year. Um, you know, they can take, they could sweep the thing. It means nothing to the Nationals, absolutely nothing. Now, when we did that to St. Louis, it was a different kettle of fish because the team had great success in 85, and they were the lone stumbling block. Well, the Mets last year had ton, tons of stumbling blocks. Now, this year the road's a little bit easier because, from what I've seen, Philly is just a disaster. I mean a disaster. That manager is... is <laughs> he's going to get you know, fired. He's some mad scientist. He makes it all about him. Players don't like that. You pull that with Jake Arrieta, there's going to be a problem. Uh, the Marlins, obviously, are going to have their problems. The Braves have clawed back a little bit. They may show up a little bit, so you're... Your main team to beat is Washington, but I'm telling you what, beating them right now coming off of the year they had last year really is meaningless. And even the year before the Mets, I think they, they won 85 or whatever. Uh, the, the Washington ball club is just dominant. They just are solid up and down the lineup. They're looking at their start as like, what are we doing, boys? Get going. So I think tomorrow and the next day are going to be very challenging for the Mets. But no message either way I think is going to be delivered in this series. Okay, fair enough. Too early. I mean, look, the Mets need to prove it to themselves maybe more than anything else because, of, like you said, the yep. awful year that they had a year ago. So we'll see. And I do think it's important to win the games without Syndergaard or without DeGrom on the mound. Speaking of those two, Bobby, I mean, what have you seen from – let's start with DeGrom, who was just – I mean, the guy battles nonstop. He's a beast. He may not get the attention of Harvey or Syndergaard at their peak. Uh, you know, Harvey 15, Syndergaard uh-huh. recently. But Jacob DeGrom, pound for pound, in my opinion, the best pitcher on the staff. What about your opinion with Jacob DeGrom? I think Jacob DeGrom came up here and has quietly just done a superb job. He is a number one guy. If you count number one, is not throws the hardest or has the longest hair, but a guy who gives you quality start day after day after day, doesn't break down, there's your number one guy. Knows how to pitch, knows how to pitch out of trouble. Um, he's, he's just amazed me from day one. I saw something. He has the ability to paint corners. He has the ability to elevate as long as he doesn't get too picky. The other day, he got a little picky at the zone, got himself in trouble. He's got to make sure he gets ahead. Don't get too picky till late. I think he's outstanding. Syndergaard is another, just a whole other animal. He just loves being big and strong, and he loves number one. Although he throws fewer so far, he's, he doesn't throw 85% fastballs. He mixes it up. 
But I think his effort in that fastball, and I don't care what anyone tells me, I watched that delivery. The second half of that delivery is violent explosion, and then he does that snap back. Don't like that. I think he's setting himself up for trouble. Two different animals. I hope he will sit and get a box of DeGrom tapes and watch how that guy pitches because DeGrom can run it up there too when he wants to. But he pitches very comfortably around 94, 95. That's, that's all you need, and you want to be out there. You, the other day we saw Syndergaard. He gives you four innings, throws 100 pitches. Where are we going with that? Yes, he struck out a bunch of people. But in today's game, everybody's striking out people. It's like, hey, let's, let me get into the seventh, eighth inning for my ball club. I'm so glad you went there because that's where I was going to go next. We're talking with Bobby Ojeda, 1986 Met, BobbyOjeda.com, Bobby O's Change of Pace podcast. How about today's game? I mean, it drives, I'll have a couple of quick things for you, Bobby. It drives me nuts and being, you know, a guy who played obviously years ago, I'm sure it drives you nuts too. But let's start there with all the strikeouts, right? How would you approach today's game where you have a lineup, let's say like the Phillies that are trying to just sit there and be patient and work the count and draw walks and all this stuff. And, you know, meanwhile, they could get themselves behind a count and lead to strikeouts or all the all or nothing type hitters. As a pitcher, how would you approach today's game differently? Well, I'll tell you this. The more things change, the more they stay the same. The narrative is that the game has changed. That's not true. Let me just run. Now, I don't want to get number heavy on you, but just some numbers. I just looked at them for fun. Walks in MLB in 2007, 16,000 and change. Walks in MLB in 2017, 15,800. Fewer walks today. Punch outs in 2017. 40,000 punch outs in 2007, 32,000. Okay, that one makes sense. But I'm going to blow your mind with this one. Runs in 2007, 22,585. Runs in 2017, 22,582. Three fewer runs were scored last year. Home runs, we all know over 6,000. Home runs in 07, just under 5,000. And my favorite number batting average in 2007 was 264 last year was 236 boy it is so it's the same the narrative doesn't fit reality and and uh, i just you know uh we all hear about this this swing you you're changing the plane of your swing launch angle uh, the launch angle uh, you, tell me how those numbers affect the game in any way shape or form the only thing you're doing now is you're you're making right handers better low ball hitters like lefties, because their natural swing is an arc up, a lefty. It just is, for whatever reason. It's like a, most left-handed fastballs move a lot more than righties. Don't know why. It just happens. Now righties are looking for that. They're good low ball hitters now. But what are the pitchers doing? They're elevating the cheddar. Now you've got that swing plane going right underneath the high fastball. Hit the low one, but it doesn't take long for the game to adapt and change and you know, pitchers make adjustments, hitters make adjustments, so the narrative doesn't fit the reality. So the game really has not changed a whole lot the past 10 years. Yeah, interesting to hear you say that. Interesting with the numbers, too. Look, I could talk to you for hours about this with all these different nonsensical things, exit velo and launch yeah. angles, but in reality, you watch the game, it is the same. You know, I don't need to know the exit velo on John Carl Stan. I know that he just crushed that thing. I'm watching it. And, you know, the, the same thing, guys. Oh, look, oh, a walk's as good as a hit. Get on base. Nonsense. A walk is not as good as a hit. A walk is good for hitters who can't hit. So I'm tired of all these new lingo and new ideas, Bobby, where, as you said, the game pretty much stays the same. And I think we would be able to tell what's good and what's not in the game of Major League Baseball. It is. And, you know, let me tell you, it makes it fun for people to look at that stuff and, 
you know, and to think about it. I think it kind of opens people's mind. But what happens is it gets blown out of proportion. Mm. Every now you think everybody's changing their their launch angle. No, they're not. Some guys are doing it. Some guys aren't. Some guys try it in spring and abandon it. It's not this rampant change of the game because I tell you what, hitting is extremely difficult. So if you have a good swing, if you have a successful swing, you're really not going to mess with it because if you do, you may never find that thing again. That's like the shifts. We all talk about these shifts. Well, why don't you just hit one to left? Just slap one to left. It's like, it's not that easy. And why don't you just bunt down to left? It's like people make it sound like it's easy, but it's not. It's very difficult. And the whole idea of a shift is to try to get the hitter to do something he doesn't normally do. Well, a hitter, the best hitters go, I don't care about the shift. I'm going to hit the way I hit. I'm not going to lose that and I'll take my chances. And most of the time, occasionally it doesn't work, but most of the time you don't see a guy from hitting, hitting 280, all of a sudden he's hitting you know 194 because of a shift. It's nonsense. Bobby Ojeda, you can check him out, bobbyojeda.com, Bobby O's Change of Pace. Bobby, you got Dave, Dave Johnson's coming out with a book in May, your former teammate Keith coming out with a book in May. When's the uh, Tell All Bobby Ojeda book coming out? I am working, if you believe it or not, I am working on a novel because I am never going to tell the truth because... <laughs> That's not the way I roll, man. But I got some ideas. I got. I don't think anything is true. Everything is like how you remember it, and most people remember the same story entirely different. So I, I've I've got a novel I, I've been working on, and and uh, I think it's as true as anything. But it's certainly a novel with names change, places change, and my imagination going wild, trying to make it even more interesting. All right, look forward to that. Thanks, Bobby. I appreciate the time. Okay, Cal. Bobby Ojeda, uh, again, check out his website, bobbyojeda.com. Bobby O's change of pace as he does a great job uh, with the podcast, and we appreciate the couple of minutes. 800-321-0710. The phones are, in fact, working, as you may have uh, been able to tell with the appearance of Bobby Ojeda. So if you want to call, now's the time, 800-321-0710. We will also give away a pair of Met tickets this hour. We'll update you on the Masters scoreboard and the Yankees score when we come back. Mets, Yanks, some Knicks stuff to get to before we say goodbye, so still a lot more to do. Remember, golf, we're doing that. Coming up at 8.05 with Shane Bacon, a Fox, a Fox Sports golf analyst. And then at 8.35, we'll talk to Sports Illustrator's Jimmy Trana and do some WrestleMania stuff. I know Jimmy had the pleasure of talking to Roman Reigns on his podcast this week. He also had the advantage of watching the Andre the Giant special that is coming out next Tuesday. He saw a screener of that, so we could get his opinion on that as well. Do uh, Have some fun with him and do wrestling for a few minutes on this uh, WrestleMania weekend. So a lot to do. Salakata in the Sports Zone filling in for Pete McCarthy, the voice of New York, 710 WOR. In the WOR Sports Zone. And for Pete, here's Sal Licata. So, Tiger done for the day right now through the first two rounds plus four. I guess we have to wait to see if he misses the cut or not. We're looking into that, but it looks like Patrick Reed's still going, who was at uh, minus nine out now. It looks like Tiger is going to make it, I guess, if it ended right now. So maybe he does get to play tomorrow, but he's hanging on. Uh, you know, obviously with the uh, with struggling today, bad round, and most people uh, wanted him to do well, willed him to do well. It did not work out, at least for today. We'll give away Mets tickets this hour. Right now, back to the phones. 800-321-0710. And we should update you on the Yanks. Manny Machado was homered in that game off of CC Sabathia, but the Yanks answered. It's 1-1, top of the second. Yanks and the O's as the Yankees look to get back uh, in the win column after dropping one to the O's yesterday. 800-321-0710. 800-321-0710. Ed is in Islip. Ed, uh, you're on The Voice of New York, 710 WOO. What's up, Ed? 
Hey, Sal. How you doing? Uh, for a long time, first time. Love uh, your work on SNY and uh, great, great uh, convo with uh, Bobby O. Thank you. Appreciate that. That was fun to have Bobby O on. Absolutely. I've been a Met fan since '69, so I've seen uh, every single World Series. Um, I agree there's with o- there's you. Only, uh, <laughs> there's only been a few. <laughs> yeah. Listen, they've been the most successful expansion team since '62. You can look that up. But anyway, and, and what said, in what regard? Uh, they've won the most uh, championships. Well, they're tied with the Royals. You have to say that. But uh, as far as um, uh, as far as uh, all, all the the championship, the, the league championships, they've won the most league championships of all expansion teams. So they've made 62. the the, the mo- they've won the most league championships of all the teams since '62 and after. Since of all right of all the expansion teams, not you know all the regular teams. No, no, right of all the expansion teams. teams but yeah, but there are significant. Now I'd have to look up how many. But like off the top of my head, the Marlins come into play. Now I don't know how many league championships they won, but they've won you know a couple World Series right in this time. So I mean the Mets. Yeah, they're, they're two for two. Yeah. two, two both times that they've been in, uh, they've won. The Mets right. have been in five uh, league championships. Two. Two for three in that in that. Marlins were what ninety seven and 03, I think for the Marlins, right? Right, the, I believe so. Yeah. So the, the Mets and the Indians and the Mets lost seventy three. They lost two thousand and they lost two thousand fifteen. So they're two and three in the five. Right? Am I right? Off exactly. Okay. Exactly. And I, you know, and I agree with you. I, I agree that the Mets will win the division this year. Um, I look at the fast start as being key to getting to where we want to be this year. Um, the one difference between. This team and the 86 team, the 86 team was just a dominant team. It was probably the only dominant team in Major League Baseball. Coming into this year, I guess with the way the game has changed and we have so many more divisions, you got the Cubs, you got the Houston Astros, obviously they're in the American League. Uh, you got L.A. that, even though they're off to a slow start, has the capability of putting together uh, a knockout season similar to what they did last year. But that being said, this is something something about this team this year that's different. I really like the fact that it got Dave Island in as a pitching coach. I think he's the best in baseball. He's got the track record to prove it. Um, so going forward from here, you know, uh, what do you see uh, uh, with this particular Mets team? Yeah, I think this team, and thanks for the call, I'd appreciate it. I think this team's going to win the division. Now, I, look, I have great respect for Bobby O and his opinion, and uh, he's not alone. A lot of people think the Nats are a far superior team. It may well be that to be the case, but I think there's something extra when you look at the Mets team, whether it's the advantage, significant advantage that they have at the managerial spot, whether it is the team chemistry, which I also think is a great thing going for this Mets team. I think the early success is going to lead to some confidence that could lead to you know more wins on the field, and I do think they have the talent. I mean, it's not like you know it's not 2012 or 2014 or even going into 15. It's different. This time they have the pieces in place. They just need to keep them healthy and they need to produce. They haven't had the combination. In 15, it was the perfect storm. The Nats were awful. The Mets were hanging around. And then they went out and made the move for Cespedes. And then they went out and brought up Conforto. And that kind of took them to another level. And then they steamrolled the Nationals and went on to the World Series, large in part to their pitching. Obviously, the last couple of seasons, that hasn't been the case, whether it's injuries, lack of performance, lack of talent on the roster, whatever. This year, the talent is there. So far, the health has been there, and the performance has been there. And that's why you're 5-1 and one through six games. I do think it will hold up. 
look, at some point, the luck is going to uh, turn. I mean, you, you need to put yourself in a position to be able to succeed when everything goes right. So in comparison, in 2013, let's say, even if everything went right, they were not going to compete. They, they, they weren't even close with the talent. This year, they are. If everything goes right, they will win the division. I'm not saying everything is going to go right, but I think the Mets have turned the corner, and I shouldn't say that because I'll jinx them, of course. But I think they're deep enough everywhere in that lineup. I think they have a deep bullpen, which could be a super pen. And I like their starting rotation enough with the depth that they have to be able to overcome an injury, maybe two. And I think you add it all up, it will result in the unlikely division crown. Not to mention that the rest of the division is bad. I mean, the Phillies stink, the Marlins stink, the Braves, eh, all right, you want to buy into the Braves a little bit, they're still not on the level as the Mets or the Nats. So I think the Mets are going to win the division. I said it before. I'm going to stick to it now, obviously. 800-321-0710, the number to call. Love to hear from you. We got uh, Tigers in the clubhouse, plus four for the tournament so far. We're doing uh, some Mets talk, of course. We'll get to some Knicks in a little bit. We'll do more more golf at 8.05 with Shane Bacon of Fox Sports. He's the golf analyst for them. We'll do a little, uh, have some fun with Traina of Sports Illustrated, do some wrestling a little bit later as well. But uh, whatever it is that's on your mind, 800-321-0710. Also, give away a pair of Mets tickets. We'll do that next when we come back. It's the Sports Zone. Sal in for Pete McCarthy, the voice of New York, 710 WOR. This is the WOR Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete McCarthy, here's Sal Licata. First time I get to do this this year. Right now, your chance with a pair of tickets to see the Mets take on the Brewers April 14th out at City Field. What caller number do we go with? Be caller. Oh, do it. Be caller number. Hmm. Let's go caller number 19 in honor of Bobby Ojeda, who joined us before. Caller number 19, 800 321 0710. You will be the winner. This is brought to you by the New York Mets and by Coca Cola. Get to City Field Saturday night, April 14th, to the Mets take on the Brewers. Stay after the game for a spectacular fireworks show that will light up the sky. Purchase tickets. At Mets.com slash tickets. Boy, I really do love that song. Is there a better song in baseball than this one? If there is, I haven't heard it. Although I've only probably heard this and the Yankee song. It sounds even better at 5-1, and one, doesn't it? 1-5 and five or 2-3, and three, it's not so much. All right, yeah, yeah, cut that song. All right, great. Yeah, enjoy the tickets. Uh, but at five and one, everything is good. I got to get myself out there. I, I'm, I may go the fifteenth. I'm not so sure. But at some point, I'll head. A, I've been at some point. I'll head out to City Field. I've been planning all these trips around Major League Baseball. I'm trying to get all the stadiums in before I turn forty. I will be thirty nine this September, and I think I've been to fourteen so far. As I just went to the Rogers Center last week, I have somehow, and you'll like this. I have somehow convinced my wife my beautiful, lovely wife, to go to San Diego for our first wedding anniversary. Now, while I, or prior to suggesting going to San Diego, which I've never been and heard it's a beautiful place, turns out my wife loves it, but prior to suggesting San Diego, you know I made sure to check 
and see if the Padres were in town on the weekend of our anniversary. And they are. They happen to be there that Monday. So it'll be a nice Memorial Day, the one-year anniversary uh, of me and my wife uh, you know, getting married, and we'll be spending it at Petco Park at least the afternoon, 1 o'clock start. Get a nice look at Eric Hosmer. But uh, I, I love checking off the ballparks, and I got a couple. I got one trip planned with my buddies to Kansas City and St. Louis. So there's another. So you factor in uh, the Padres, Kansas City, St. Louis. That's another three right there. That gets me to seventeen. My buddy's wedding this year in Seattle is taking place in August. Thankfully, the Mariners have a home game that should get me to eighteen. Going to try to go out to Arizona, visit some family, get to nineteen. So I'm, I'm doing some work here. Gotta try to sneak one more in. I think my wife's going away in June. I'm trying to somehow get somebody to go with me to some ballpark, whether it's Colorado, Milwaukee, and Chicago. I gotta see the White Sox. I'm trying to check as many off as I possibly can and make it easy on myself next year. And the one big trip that could potentially happen for me this year would be in September, which probably isn't that big of a deal, but it always just feels like the West Coast is so hard to do, right? Ah, you gotta go, you know, you feel like you need to go for more than just a weekend. I don't really have a lot of time because I gotta work. But if I take a weekend, September 1st, and come back the 3rd, I could see the Mets in San Francisco and the Yankees in Oakland. That would be sweet. Get those two ballparks out of the way. Producer Mark, do you think I'm crazy? You're looking at me like I'm nuts. In general? Go. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I want to go see these ballparks. Catch went, me up. You're going to go with your wife? Uh, yeah, I, I made it. A, uh, we have a winner for the contest, by the way. You got yes, the we do. That's why I didn't hear yeah, the first I know, part I know, of the story. I know. We went, uh, I, I convinced her to take our first, uh, our, uh, celebrate our first anniversary in San Diego, where we'll be watching the Padres. Padres and Marlins on May 28th. How does she let you get away with that? Because I it, would never get away with it. Because this. I didn't sell it as a ballpark trip. I said, hey, you know what? Instead of going to the Bahamas, which is really expensive, and it happens to be Memorial Day weekend, everything's expensive. I was like, maybe maybe we could do San Diego. It's supposed to be really nice. She's like, oh, yeah, I've been. I love San Diego. But I had already known. I was like, oh, let me check if the Padres. Oh, yeah, the Padres are playing. They're playing that Monday. And she's like, okay, that's fine. But it is an anniversary. It should be a little bit of both that we want to enjoy, right? I guess so. Are the Padres playing the Mets? No, Padres Marlins. Oh, that is a terrible game. Hey, it's a game. You just it's not about the game, it's about the ballpark. Last, I wouldn't last five innings at that game. Last year our first trip as a married couple was to Cincinnati. I took her to see the Reds Dodgers on Pete Rose Statue Day. Oh my god. We went to the Cincinnati Zoo, saw the Reds game, and it was sweltering hot, and we came back the next day. It was great. Checked off. My Cincinnati. first trip with my uh, girlfriend, now fiance, was uh, to Toronto. See a Leafs oh, okay. game and go to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, it's not bad. So but I convinced her of that it'll never work again. Is your fiance sports or no? Uh, she's more into it now that we're dating. Any particular sport or no? Uh, she likes hockey and baseball like me. Okay. Yeah, my wife, if it were anything other than a baseball game, because she just she knows how much it means to me to go to all these ballparks, so that's why she's okay. She does right. think baseball is very boring, though. Well, I mean, she's not alone, obviously. Uh, I mean, there are a lot of people who find that to be the case. 800-321-0710. You don't get tickets, but you get to talk to me. 800-321. And you know what? Priceless. Tickets to a ball game? All right, you could get those. Talking to me? Priceless. 800-321-0710. It's Salicata in the Sports Zone. Filling in for Pete McCarthy on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR.